This past Monday was the 20th anniversary of the fall of the wall. Thousands of people gathered in Berlin to commemorate the fall of the wall, which separated the cities east and west during the Cold War. The wall was built in 1961 by the East German government to end a constant flight of its citizens to the west side. People say that this action, the fall of the wall, was the defining moment for the end of communism and of the Cold War. To celebrate the anniversary, German Chancellor Angela Merkel was joined by former Soviet President Mikhail Gorbachev in crossing a bridge which was the first checkpoint to open, and former President of Poland Lech Walesa pushed the first of a line of giant dominoes made by some 15,000 children from around the world, many from countries where real walls still exist, in a symbolic recreation of the fall of the wall. It was a time to celebrate, but in the nearby Leipzig, Protestant father Christian Führer, former pastor of the Church of St. Nicholas, had other memories. He recalls how the peaceful protests that brought down the wall began with regular Monday peace prayer meetings at his parish dating as far back as 1982. These prayer meetings grew in size and popularity until October 9th, 1989, when 70,000 people showed up for the largest demonstration ever to be seen in East Germany. It took place in churches all over the city and in the streets. The police was ready for violence, but they were not prepared for candles and prayer, which is what they encountered. They had to withdraw without one single shot being fired. A month later, the wall came down. Father Führer recalls how the non-violent message of the Sermon of the Mount inspired them to protest peacefully. He was also personally inspired by Jesus' call to be the salt of the earth which means you must get involved. The real miracle, he says, is that this was a revolution that grew out of the church. No one broke windows, no people were beaten, no one was killed. And without Leipzig, the fall of the wall would never have happened. Mikhail Gorbachev always said that the fall of communism could only be credited to Pope John Paul II. And that's pretty neat, coming from him. But to know that another momentous event took place because of prayer and because of the leadership of a pastor, that's also pretty cool. I'm Pedro Guevara Man, and this is Salt and Light Radio. Hello and welcome to Salt and Light Radio. I'm Pedro Guevara Man. And I'm Mary Rose Bacani. And I officially welcome Mary Rose. She's our new events producer. It's very cool to have you with us on Salt and Light Radio, Mary Rose. Well, thank you, Pedro. I don't have as exciting a job <laughs> as Chris, but we do what we can. Yeah, no, but you know what? Events are important and uh, people do need to know what's going on in their diocese. So I hope everybody that's listening is paying attention. And anyway, Chris is not here. Well, he's still in the Holy Land. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, whatever. We'll get to speak to him in a little bit. But, Mary Rose, we're going to start with you. Because have you seen the new movie 2012? Um, no. Is that the is that about the end of the world in the year yeah, 2012? Yeah, that's, that's exactly it. It's, it's a film that's based on the Mayan prophecy that says that the calendar will end. <laughs> or rather, their calendar ends in the year 2012. So they presume that that's when the world is going to be ending. So we're going to be speaking to someone you know, actually, Chris Giardino, about prophecies and the end of times in films. And how about the featured artist for today? Well, we don't have a featured artist today because our feature is our man in black, <laughs> Father Paul Massel, who used to be in musical theater. He was uh, actually in the Phantom of the Opera in Toronto for five years before he became a priest. And so we're going to be doing a man in black segment with him. And because he's a singer, to start us off, 
we have him singing. We have here Father Paul. Um, here he is uh, with one of his favorite songs, Wind Beneath My Wings. It must have been cold there in our shadows To never have sunlight on your face You were content to let us shine That's your way You always walked a step behind So we were the ones with all the glory While you were the one with all the strength A beautiful face without a name for so long a beautiful smile to hide the pain did you ever know that you're our hero and everything we would like to be we can fly You are the wind beneath our wings It might have appeared to go unnoticed But we've got it all here in our hearts We want you to know know the truth of course we know it we would be nothing without you did you ever know that you're our hero you're everything we would like to be we could fly the sky. Thank you, thank you, thank God for you. 
was our man in black for today, Father Paul Massels of the Diocese of Peterborough, with his version of Wind Beneath My Wings. We'll be speaking to him uh, in about 25 minutes. But first, Mary Rose, we need to look at what's happening in the church across the country. Okay, here goes from the West Vancouver. Now, lots of great things happening in the Archdiocese of Vancouver in the next little bit. And for these three events I'm about to bring up, please check the Vancouver Archdiocesan website for more info. First, as you may know, the 2010 Olympic Games will be held in Vancouver, B.C., and Canada is very proud of this. Mm -hmm. But women, youth, and children in Metro Vancouver and Whistler are routinely coerced into the sex trade. Mm. And so a large event like the 2010 Olympics is expected to contribute to this exploitation. So the Archdiocese of Vancouver, in conjunction with other Christian churches and groups, is hosting a panel discussion entitled Human Trafficking, in our own backyard mm -hmm. to raise awareness and to effect change with regards to sex trafficking. And the speakers include a former prostitute, a Salvation Army minister, and Professor Ben Perrin. St. Stephen's Church Hall in North Vancouver, November 18th from 7 to 9 p.m. Now on the upside, Advent is coming around the corner in a couple of weeks, so let's start getting ready. So for $15 a person, including a light supper, you can be spiritually nourished and not just have a full stomach. <laughs> so on Friday, November 27th, you can adore Christ in the Eucharist at the Advent Twilight Retreat at Sacred Heart Parish. Meditation is by Father Gary Franken. And I know the event's not till November 27th, but your registration is needed by November 20th. So check the Archdiocesan website for more info soon. And being a Catholic feminist, to find that how you will, mm. I had to put this last event in, although it takes place on the same day as the Advent Twilight Retreat. You can just take your pick which one to go to. Right. On Friday, November 27th from 7.30 to 9.30 p.m. at Christ the Redeemer Parish in West Vancouver, come and hear all about how feminism has misunderstood church teachings. And you have to pay $6, but refreshments and handouts are included. So come one, come all. Very interesting. Now, Edmonton. For those experiencing the loss of children through pregnancy, either through miscarriage, ectopic pregnancy, or a stillbirth, this is for you. On Tuesday, November 17th at Our Lady Perpetual Help Parish in Sherwood Park, there is a special mass celebrated in remembrance of these children. Guest speaker is Jocelyn Roy, pastoral and grief counselor. Check the Archdiocesan website for more details. Now also St. Teresa's Parish is hosting an Exalt Night on Tuesday, November 24th. This is an exciting night for young people, for teens especially, and the night includes praise and worship led by a live band, a witness talker teaching adoration of Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament, and an opportunity for reconciliation and food and fellowship. You can contact Mike Landry at mike at imthird.ca to register. Now, Calgary. Bishop Henry encourages all Catholics to attend this one-day conference on a topic that's crucial for our growth in the faith, although it's something we take for granted. So if you've ever wondered why you do what you do at Mass, mm. this is for you. Very important. On Saturday, November 21st, at St. Mary's Cathedral in Calgary, join the Archdiocese for the Table of Hope conference entitled Deepening Our Understanding of the Mass. And to find out more about the excellent speakers on liturgy and to register online, go to 
thetableofhope.com. Don't get this one wrong because I googled tableofhope.com and you and go to something else, else completely. Thetableofhope.com. It sounds fantastic. And it's only $40 for the com complimentary lunch, so you can't go wrong. That's great. What a great event. And uh, finally for this segment, Regina. The Archdiocese of Regina invites you to a high-energy, dynamic retreat with face-to-face -face ministry. So on November 21st and 22nd at St. Mary's Church, you are invited to become active disciples and help set the world ablaze with Christ's love. Michelle Nuzo, as you know, swears by how amazing this ministry is, and yes. I believe her. Yeah. So check out www.facetofaceretreats.com. That's face, T-O, faceretreats.com. Excellent, Mary Rose. Thank you. Lots going on in the west uh, end of the country, as always. But we will return to the rest of the country with more events in a little while, so don't go away. You're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel and on the internet at saltandlighttv.org slash radio. Our blog can be found at saltandlighttv.org slash blog. And our email address, in case you've forgotten, is radio at saltandlighttv.org. I'm Pedro Guevara Man. And now joining us on the phone all the way from Israel is Chris Demetrenko. Welcome, Chris. You're, you're in Jerusalem now, right? That's correct. Uh, we've just spent the past week touring around uh, the country going to particularly those sites that the Holy Father, Holy Father visited when he was here this past May. Yeah, I, I, I do want to ask you about that uh, uh, in a bit, but I, I, I wanted to also ask you, because um, the big news this week here, uh, actually all over the world, has been uh, about the fall of the Berlin Wall, and, uh, and I, I was trying to figure out how old you are, but do you remember when the wall fell? I do. I was nine years old at the time. But uh, thankfully, uh, my parents let me watch a whole lot of television when I was a kid. Right. So I remember watching the news and hearing about how dangerous it was for people who would try to cross from East Germany to West Germany. And then I remember in 1989, we're seeing those images of uh, people, uh, you know, taking down down the wall and, and the excitement about it. I mean, I didn't understand a lot of the politics at the time. But I'm glad that I could say that I, I saw it. Yeah, it was actually, those images are still, I can remember them, but I wasn't nine. I was 20. Um, okay. I, I, I'm sure that, that, that there's some parallels that you're seeing now with the, the wall or the security fence in Israel. There, there definitely are. Um, Pope Benedict, when, uh, when he was here for his people's visit, uh, on the very last day of the visit, he, he said, although walls can easily be built, we all know that they do not last forever. They can be taken down. First, though, it is necessary to remove the walls that we build around our hearts, the barriers that we set up against our neighbors. That actually wasn't the last day. That was uh, a couple of days from, from the end. Yeah. In Bethlehem, he made this quote. And he seemed to be making allusions to the building wall, but of course he was talking about the security fence in Israel and right. uh, separating it from the Palestinians. Territories in the West Bank. Yeah. Uh, now the reasons for this wall are very different, and I'm not sure to judge its efficacy or its necessity as a security measure. But uh, it's certainly been very harmful. Uh, the Pope did say, you know, at the end of his trip, uh, one of the saddest sights for me during my visit to these lands was the wall, and uh, it, it affects both. Uh, both Palestinians uh, and, and Jews alike. That's really interesting. Um, um, we're having a little bit of a 
uh, cell phone uh, connection problem, but just a note so that uh, for anyone joining in, we're, you're listening to Salt and Light Radio. I'm Pedro Guevara, man. We're speaking to our news producer, Krista Matrenko, who is now in the Holy Land, and we apologize for the, uh, the little sketchy mobile connection he is on a cell phone, but, but we can understand you, Chris, and I did want to ask you a little bit about, because you've had the opportunity to meet people on both sides of the fence, so you probably have some, uh, some stories uh, or, or of people that you'd like to share with us as to how this, this security fence is affecting real people? Well, I mean, I would, I would certainly like to, and I hope to, in, in the community, meet, meet more uh, Israelis. At this point, I've met uh, more Palestinians and heard about their experiences, partly because I spent a while doing research at Bethlehem University, and many of the students uh, who come from East Jerusalem have to pass by the wall every day, and sometimes right. there can be delays of many hours. Uh, but one of the, the most striking uh, opportunities, uh, you know, where I really saw the divisions that exist here, I was going to a place uh, called the Tent of Nations, and it really epitomized how demarcations of land mean everything here. Yeah. For someone like myself, who has never owned land or property, who has rented, you know, uh, for, for many years, land doesn't mean very much, but, but for these people, you know, when your land goes back many generations, it means everything. So right. I met this, this man named Daoud Nasser. Now, his grandfather had a deed to a large farmland on a hill just, uh, just outside of Bethlehem, just south of Bethlehem. Yeah. And he, he's had this land, he's been in the family, back, back since Palestine was under Turkish control over 100 years ago, and they have a deed. Now, over time, this land became surrounded by four Israeli settlements and one small existing Arab village. So uh, the Nassers, they were the only Christian family you know, surrounded by these, these villages. Now, some dispute the terminology. Some say that these, these settlements are really just extensions of Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. But they, they were built on land that, that uh, many people say you know, belongs to the West Bank. Right. And regardless, settlers had brought bulldozers to this farmland with the hope of raising it, telling him that the land belongs to them by the will of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though he had the deed for the land, to protect the land, uh, because Nazis um, uh, say that that uh, the army people there, you know, haven't been convinced by his deed and are sympathetic to the settlers' cause more than his own. Uh, visitors from around the world have been coming to work on the land to ensure that uh, the international paid uh, attention to the, the plight of their family. When I visited, actually, right. a young Christian man from southern Ontario along with a number of other Germans were there. But some stayed for months on end. And uh, I, I asked uh, I asked the Nazis, you know, what are they going to do uh, if they're able to keep it? Because the validity of this deed has been awaiting a court hearing for decades. Right. Uh, they haven't been able to have their day in court to be able to prove their deed. Right. And they said that if they're able to keep it, the family would like uh, the land to be developed into mixed housing where Arabs, Jews, and people of other ethnicities could live side by side. But uh, that seems like it's a very, very uh, long time away from now. It is, but at least uh, it seems that they think that they can uh, solve this through the, through the proper court or legal channels. So that's, uh, that's an interesting story. Chris, that's all the time we have. But thanks for, uh, for uh, speaking with us, and we'll, we'll uh, call you again next week and, and find out what else you've been up to, okay? For sure. Thank you, Pedro.
So that was our Salt and Light Radio news producer, Krista Matrenko. He joined us on the phone from Jerusalem, and so we apologize for the uh, for the bad cell phone connection. Um, but if you'd like to comment on anything that you hear on this program about this security fence uh, in Israel, please send us an email, radio at saltandlighttv.org. You're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel, Sirius 159 and XM 117. A new blockbuster opened in theaters across North America yesterday. The film 2012 tells uh, of a global cataclysm that brings an end, or a sort of end to the world. I guess I shouldn't give away the ending either way. The film is inspired by the idea that the Mayan calendar ends on December 21st or 23rd in the year 2012. And of course, there are other theories that propose that the world will end in 2012, but we won't get into that. But it did make us think about prophecies and films and, and films about end of times. And so we've invited our very own salt and light radio pop culture geek, Christopher Giardino, to help us out. Chris, <laughs> welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Pedro. Sorry, I, I, I maybe should have asked you if, if I can call you a pop culture geek. I, I don't, um, <laughs> I, I'm a, a freelance screenwriter and producer, and I also teach at, at a local film school. <laughs> there you go. I'll invite you to do your own introduction <laughs> next time. <laughs> Not a problem at all. So, so Chris, um, what, uh, why, why do you think prophecy is such a big thing in popular culture? Um, I think as we were discussing earlier, it's... Um, <coughs> Excuse me. I think that at, at this point in history, I mean, prophecies have always been very important, and people have always tried to predict the future. I think that's part of uh, the human ex- experience, mm-hmm. trying to know what you can't know. Um, I think certainly from a contemporary perspective, when we look at so many, all the different prophecies, and they really, they cross, you know, all religions have them, even uh, secularists have New Age prophecies and so forth. They really sort of cross all different cultures. And I think... Uh, with, the cu- with our culture being so information-driven at this point in history, through the internet, television, uh, film, and so forth, it makes you feel as though you have some sense of control over things that you don't really have any control over, i.e. the future. Um, I think that probably pay- plays a little bit into why they're so popular. Okay, because we're not just talking. I mean, we're, we're not just talking about film because you're you're suggesting that even a thousand years ago, people were into this kind of thing. I certainly think so. I mean, again, if you go back to uh, Nostradamus, uh, St. Malachi, and so forth. Um, You know, you can go back. There's always been people trying to see what is in the future. Um, And, you know, certainly it's open to debate as to whether or not they are true or not true. Um, That's one debate. But the notion that they do exist and this fascination with it does exist, uh, I don't think is debatable. I think it's been there, and I think it's part of the, the human experience. Right. Now, you said something earlier that made me think that, that we're not just talking about prophecy, but, al- but a lot of it has to do with the end of times, yes. the apocalyptic thing. And, and even when we look at the Bible, a lot of the prophecies, if we can call them that, I don't know if we can, but have to do with how, you know, the, the, that battle between good and evil and the end of times, the end of the world, whatever. So is it that, we're, that the interest is with how the world is going to end or end of times? Is there a bit of that? I think there is an interest in that. I mean, I think it's, uh, you know, I'm certainly no philosopher, but uh, I think there is a notion that, again, it crosses all generations and all versions of human existence. And I mean, everything will end. It doesn't matter. Even if you're an atheist, you still believe your life will eventually end somehow. Um, And so I do think there's always those notions of what is next? How is it going to end? Um, You know, 
personally, I have friends of mine who are just obsessed with, you know, how they'll die, how they might die. Right. Um, if you believe in the afterlife from a Catholic perspective, well, how, how do you visualize that? So I think we're always obsessed with notions of what comes next. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at, you know, we live our lives almost like a story, well, all stories come to an end. What is the end? What's the climax? Right. How is it going to happen? And I think trying to, from a film perspective, a lot of these stories kind of give people some sort of um, comfort uh, on a cultural level, which most of them are very popular, you know, assuming they're at least done halfway as well. <laughs> but, uh, you know, if you look through film history, these films about end times and so forth, they're not really new. <coughs> Excuse me. Right, there's, uh, yeah. there's always been science fiction that deals with sort of, you know, the end times or apocalyptic, uh, you know, infernos that happen and uh, man has to overcome and so forth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and I actually was going to ask you about that because you just finished teaching a, a film history course. Um, but just a note for anyone that might be joining the program at this time, you're listening to Salt and Light Radio. I'm, my name is Pedro, and I'm speaking to uh, Chris Giardino. He's a screenwriter and film history professor. In fact, you just finished, like I said, teaching a, f- a film history course. Um, and, and you were mentioning to me earlier about a lot of these films, uh, like I Am Legend, uh, The Omega Man. I, I even thought The Morning After... Oh, yes, certainly. From a long time ago, or even the, the original War of, War of the Worlds mm-hmm. from the, that was in the 20s, wasn't it? The radio program um, about just, you know... The oh, the Orson Welles, sure, yeah. Orson, yeah. You know, the kind of like the, 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 the cataclysmic events that are going to end it all, or at least change things drastically. Um, so you've seen that I- from a history, film history point of view that that has been um, present, Yes, certainly. I mean, as you mentioned, the great uh, Orson was, I think it's the late 30s when he did that. Okay. Um, but, but still, it, it, uh, th- there's always that fascination of what will happen. And, of course, at the time of the Orson Welles radio broadcast of War of the Worlds. Mm-hmm. Um, well, people really bro- believed it, yeah. They, they really believed it, and he broadcast it in such a way that people thought they were listening to an actual radio broadcast. And it sent you know, terror through the hearts of everyone. Um, and if you, even if you had one of the film versions of War of the Worlds, yeah. Uh, has a huge uh, religious subtext to it. Okay, y- you uh, know, uh, sorry, le- I, uh, let me just interrupt because I wanted to ask you about that because, I mean, you look at a film like 2012 and I, I don't think there's any particular religious meaning or, or deep meaning there, but maybe there is. It seems to me that it's just a big excuse for a, for a, you know, a blockbuster film and lots of, let's come up with a lot of CG effects and see mm-hmm. how we can destroy the Vatican. Um, but do any of these films or, or these ideas or stories say something deeper about our nature, other than that we need to want to know the future. I, I do think that you can have that. I mean, there was a film that came out a year ago called Knowing yes. that we talked about, directed uh, by Alex Proyas. And I think that film, on some level, and, and it was a moderate success, um, some people trashed it because they thought there was this religious subtext to it, where uh, another critic, Roger Ebert, who I'm sure many of your uh, listeners will know, uh, he thought it was one of the best science fiction films ever made. And I think that film certainly tried to have a level of gravitas to it, um, where there is a certain religious allegory to it, where um, when the children get taken up by the aliens at the end, well, it's very clear the director also has them with wings. Well, so are they aliens or are they angels? Ex- well, exactly, and that was a lot of the debate. Yeah. Uh, are they aliens or are they angels? And yeah. of course, the Nicolas Cage character at the end has to reconcile with his father, with who's, his a father who's a pastor. Yeah, and th- there's the whole thing, uh, you may, I mean, the f- that film is all about the book of Ezekiel, uh, and people say that Ezekiel and the prophecy for all you know, it could have been a spaceship that he saw mm-hmm. because of the, the wheels spinning inside the wheels and the angels that have four faces and whatever. They could have been aliens. Um, so that's, that's, that, I think, is interesting, that the combination of science fiction and religion that I don't think I had ever seen until The Knowing. 
No, and I think that's why it has gotten, you know, it, um, people, it did much better than they thought it would do at the box office. And I think that's part of it. I mean, and uh, because, you know, regardless of what people think of religion in a pop cultural sense, the majority of people on the planet do have a religious belief system. Yeah. And I think that when you can tap into that in a successful way, in an artful way, you know, it still has to be quality. I think people respond to it. Um, even um, two or three Christmases ago, um, there was a Will Smith film that was a remake of uh, a Charlton Heston film called The Omega Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dealing with viruses and so forth. And the remake was based on the original novel by Richard Matheson called I Am Legend. Yeah. And um, again, um, there's a huge religious subtext to it, where at the end he meets a woman who does have religious beliefs, and his character doesn't. But by the end of the film, he starts to question that. And he is the last, he, th- he believes at the time, one of the last people on the planet, and uh, you know, it has the requisite to action and so forth. But at the same token, when he meets a woman and he goes to a colony later on towards the very end, well, he doesn't rather, he sacrifices himself, but he helps the woman with her beliefs get her child into safety. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> again, it certainly has that. He's sacrificing himself for a larger good, and we know that it's almost, his character becomes like a quote-unquote Christ figure in the film, so right. to speak, in a metaphorical sense. Yeah. And that film touched a huge nerve uh, with people, and it was a tremendous hit worldwide. Um, so I do think there, is, there are, if you can touch into that, I think it, uh, those stories can be very effective. Again, not to be taken literally, obviously, there are still stories meant to entertain, yeah. but I think they can certainly uh, strike a chord in popular culture. Yeah, well, certainly um, thinking about the end will make you think about spiritual things, and I think that maybe that's the connection. Yeah, I, I, there's so many. I've thought of even movies like City of Embers, that it's oh, not really, you know, but, but it's like something ended and, and they had to do something and then there's a new beginning. Um, or even just the films that deal with you know, the, the age old kind of good versus evil, Lord of the Rings, <laughs> Star Wars, even Harry Potter. The film hasn't come out yet, but the last book is all about kind of this cataclysmic battle. Well, certainly. And uh, the there's, end. there's actually a very interesting film that came out in the early 90s um, that most people probably haven't seen called The Rapture. Okay, and uh, it's it's again just a it's a very it's a cult film starring Mimi Rogers and directed by um, a director by the name of Michael Tolkien. Yeah, and it's very fascinating. It's just a, you know if anyone goes to rent it, it is a very tough R-rated movie. Uh-huh. But it stars Mimi Rogers and David Duchovny, and she plays a woman who has a very hedonistic lifestyle, um, very much into um, very promiscuous and so forth. Right, and later on starts to question it. And what she ends up doing through the course of the film, she becomes a very evangelical person, about, prophesizing about the end times. Uh-huh. And she takes her child up to this hill, and she's waiting for the horsemen of the apocalypse. Right. And it's, it's become cult, because just when you think, what she ends up doing is killing her child, just so that he won't have to experience the end. Right. And just when you think this film couldn't get any darker, it becomes a very literal interpretation of the book of Revelations, yeah. with the four horsemen coming in and so forth. And it's, it's, it's not from a Catholic perspective, just to be very clear, mm-hmm. but uh, it is a very, it's another very sort of troubling and fascinating film uh, that many people, have, uh, certain, certainly in film critic circles, it's well regarded and whatnot, but uh, if you have the stomach for it, it's worth uh, looking yeah. out. Well, I guess the bottom line here then is that none of these films, I mean, they're film, they're movies, they're stories, they're not truth necessarily, mm-hmm. and so we should be getting our truth <laughs> from the Bible and from the church and not from, uh, from the theaters. Exactly, and I agree with that. Uh, but again, I think what these films do do, at least the best of them, because there's a lot of really poorly made end times in movies and so forth. Yeah. Um, but I think of the best of them, they can, can provide some sort of a catharsis to people. 
um, that when you see all of these sort of, you know, the nightly news, and I mean, we talked about this earlier, there's always been wars, there's always been famines and so forth. Yeah. But, you know, if you were if it was in the, like a, you know, the 10th century and a war was happening, you didn't necessarily know about that. Exactly. Wasn't, we didn't have the telecommunications at the time. Where now, we're so plugged in that the more information we have, I think it almost makes people feel more powerless. Yeah. Because you feel like you're so overwhelmed by all of these wars and famines and tragedies. And you know, if an earthquake happened in year 1120, you wouldn't have known about that. Mm-hmm. Where now it's all over the news. And I think the, the best of these films can help to act as a catharsis. Right. Fascinating topic, Chris. Thank you for uh, speaking to us about it today. Um, uh, I'm sure we'll bring you back on the show another time, okay? Oh, well, thank you for having me, Pedro. I appreciate it. That was Chris Giardino. He's a screenwriter and a film history professor. Um, uh, We were talking about uh, films and films about uh, the end of times and prophecies. You heard what we had to say, and now we want to hear what you have to say. So uh, send us your comments to radio at saltandlighttv.org. I'm John Michael Talbot. You're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel, Sirius 159 and XM 117. I'm Pedro Guevara Man, and here with us now is our Man in Black singing another song. Here's Father Paul Massel with The Prayer. I pray you'll be our eyes And watch us where we go And help us to be wise In times when we don't know Let this be our prayer When we lose our way Lead us to a place Guide us with your grace To a place where we'll be safe La luce che dura I pray we'll find your light Nel cuore resterà And hold in our hearts when stars go out each night let this be our prayer when shadows fill our day lead us to a place guide us with your Give us faith so we'll be safe. Sognano mondo senza più violenza, un mondo di giustizia e di speranza. Ognuno dia la mano e il suo vicino, simbolo di Fraternità, la forza che ci dà. We ask that life be kind. And watch us from above. Oh, no, no, troviamo. We 
hope each soul will find in tonight and trust another soul to love. Let this be our prayer. Let this be our prayer. Just like every child. Just like every child. Need to find a place. Guide us with your grace. Give us faith so we'll be safe. Ella fede che, aia Sento che ci salve. Father Paul Massel, pastor of St. Joseph's Parish in Bowmanville, Ontario, singing with Danny Bronson the beautiful song, and one of his favorites, The Prayer. And now it's time for... Man in Black. And our Man in Black today, as you've been hearing is Father Paul Massel, former musical theater star. Father Paul, welcome to Man in Black. Well, yes, very good. You know, I think I'm on the wrong show, Pedro. <laughs> you, you are? I, I am because I never wear black. Are you I serious? I always wear blue. That, you know what? That is I, true. I just find black to be so austere. Oh, but it's so, like, artsy black. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you can get nice light blue shirts, you can get uh, purple ones, you can get even some nice beige ones, uh, Roman collars, and Roman I think, oh, that black just... It's just It just doesn't make my day. It doesn't so, look my spirits. I want some color in this world. Maybe, <laughs> maybe that's the arts in me or what, I don't know. But I, I wear a black uh, shirt, maybe on a formal occasion. Certainly there are good there are occasions where you do. But for me, they will see me always in light. Blue. Okay, so, so let me just re- redo that. This is the man <laughs> in blue segment. <laughs> no, I feel much better now. Thank much you better. Much better. Good. Um, um, okay, so let me explain what we're going to do here paul this is this is kind of like a game show except that you're not in a front in front of a live audience there are no prizes and you're the only one <laughs> Die, playing. no prizes Pedro, <laughs> come on you gotta do better than that okay so uh, i'll work on that maybe we'll get you a couple black <laughs> <Okay>. shirts <laughs> okay okay so and i'm gonna ask you a bunch of random questions okay and then we yeah. just go okay the first segment is called choices we make okay wow. So, so I'm going to ask you uh, several rapid-fire questions, and you get to choose between two items like uh, uh, peanut butter or cashew butter. Oh, boy. Love cashew butter, but don't need it. I <laughs> love to bike, and I'm biking about 53 kilometers a day. So you don't do that and then eat cashew butter. <laughs> you even get the peanut butter that's light. Isn't that disgusting? But I eat light peanut butter so that uh, all my exercises and my workouts at Good Life uh, aren't wasted. Okay, very good. Now, next one. F- uh, film or TV? What kind? Film or TV? Oh, definitely. There's nothing. There's so little on TV that I would watch today. All that reality stuff, um, you know, um, CSI, all that stuff. I just uh, my imagination is is well enough on its own. I do not <laughs> need all those mass murders and all this conniving and really all the violence too. So I I love good films. I went to see Michael Jackson. This is it last oh, night. Oh, really? Fantastic. Really? For anyone who thought Jackson wasn't in shape in those last days of his life. That man was so passionate about it. He dances so well, sings. Uh, that show was going to be out of this world. And now you can see it on film, thanks be to God, because uh, otherwise all that hard work, and it was a fantastic show, would have all been to waste. Good, so, so you, uh, you walked out of the theater dancing, eh? Oh, my God, and the music, and, and just, I love good dancing. I love it. And 
Okay. They had thousands of people auditioning for that show, and they picked like 12 to back him up. It is not oh, yeah. this. It, yeah. This is it. Yeah, his yeah. backup dancers are phenomenal. That, are that is true. out of this world. Yeah, I love, I love good film. And uh, sometimes you go to the theater and you, you uh, really strike it gold, and sometimes you don't. But there's always something to be gotten from it. So. Okay, next one. St. Peter or St. Paul? Well, I'm a little partial. Yeah, you uh, know what? I, I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> now, St. Paul was a was an amazing man for me. And I studied uh, St. Paul at University of Notre Dame, and with uh, Jerome Murphy O'Connor, man who lives in the Holy Land, he knows Paul better than Paul ever did. Yeah. And this man, um, he inspired me so much about a man who said, "You know what? There's lots of diversity in this world. There's so much diversity in our very church, in our views. When you sit down and discuss how people are feeling about this or that, and." He said, no matter what, stay together. Yeah. Community is the most important thing. We have lots of things that can pull us apart in our world. We have things that can pull us apart in our church. And uh, the most important thing for Paul was community. Uh-huh. Be together. There is nothing on this earth that should separate all of us as the body of Christ. And um, I happen to believe that. Good, so, good, good message. So I, I love Paul's teaching. Yeah, yeah, Paul's and good. And his writings are his 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 writings are so beautiful. The images, the imagery there is just out of this world. Yeah, so. ain't not bad. Eh? They actually made 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 the canon. Yeah, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and quite rightly too. Yeah, very good. Okay, last one: opera or musical theater? Oh, I could never choose between those two. And there's there's really hardly a difference. There's a difference in style, yes, but. Um, when, when a person has a beautiful story to tell and they lift their voices in song, be it opera, be it in, uh, you know, in Italian or French or German or uh, with a Bronx accent in West Side Story, uh, music uh, goes so much more deeper into our emotions and our feelings and makes that story 3D, just brings it off the page. So I'm going to New York, as you know, to see Billy Elliot. Yes. And uh, that's, you know, if anybody has seen the movie, you can your heart just goes out to that little boy. And, yes. And, and what is in that soul, be it even a mining town that needs to be expressed through dance. And uh, that's now going to be all set to music there in that Broadway hit. So I yeah. can't wait to see that. Yeah, I, wanna, I want you to write me when, when you come back to tell me what you I thought. I will. Because it'd be I will. Phenomenal. And we're going to see West Side Story down there, too, oh, now. Oh, good. The, the, the production in Stratford was excellent. Got rave reviews. But I hear the one in, uh, in Manhattan is pretty good, too. So I'm quite look forward to seeing that also. But, uh, no, I've sung a lot of opera and I've sung a lot of musical theater. The classical musical theater like Carousel and Brigadoon and... Yeah. You know, sound of music, all that. And then and then the West, you know, I did the Phantom of the Opera there for five years. So yeah. um, I can't decide between the two. I love them oh, both. Oh, very good. Okay, well, just a note for anyone that might be figuring out what the heck is going on. You're listening to Salt and Light Radio. I'm your host, Pedro. We're speaking with our man in black who's actually wearing blue. Who's in um, blue. Father, Father Paul Massel. <laughs> he's, uh, he's a priest of the Diocese of Peterborough. Okay, now let's, uh, let's uh, we're running out of time here. So I think I'm not already, go. Pedro. Yeah, we, we need to go to our last segment. This is our pop quiz okay, and of pop course quiz. <laughs> the, I ask you a, a, a quiz about all things pop um, okay. and I'm not talking about soda pop I'm talking about pop culture and y- you know what your topic is going to be your topic is going to be musical theater because I, I couldn't think of anything better to talk to you about um, why not what's the first musical theater musical that you remember watching oh, the first one the musical the first me oh I'm sure it was um Hmm, Sound oh. of Music, probably. Yeah, sure. I know, eh? That's a good I one. Was eight, I was eight years old and playing the part of Kurt in The Sound of Music when I was a kid, so, yeah, that was my first exposure okay, to Okay, so you were sure. in The Sound of Music. I was Kurt in The Sound of Music, and don't you ever forget that. And oh, I didn't wear blue or black, I don't think. 
<laughs> we were wearing lederhosen in those days. Okay, that's great. Now, you, you, you're going to New York to watch uh, Billy Elliot, but what was the last musical that you watched? You know, the last musical I watched, I think, was West Side Story in Stratford about oh, three yeah. weeks ago. I took, uh, I took about 60 of my parishioners from St. Joe's, and we all went down and saw West Side Story. I had a tour of the costume department. It was a great day. Interesting. Oh, tell me something. So you took parishioners. Is this like a pilgrimage to Stratford? How did you? Why not? Why not? Did, did you make it like a spiritual thing, or like well, how do you incorporate, or is this an event? To well, do, to see, my feeling, my feeling, you see, that as a liturgist for the Diocese of Peterborough, and as someone who has sung 25 years around the world, I've sung uh, in London, England, I've sung on Broadway, I've sung Kennedy Center. Um, th- th- now, this takes longer discussion, but uh, the arts are always a tremendously spiritual experience. Yeah. Whether we identify it that way or not, they always are. They take us somewhere else. They identify the Kairos that is within us all. Yeah. Uh, uh, they take us deeper. So so it is a pilgrimage, because you, you watch a musical, and uh, you connect with that deeper presence of God within us. Music does that. Good theater does that. Yes. Dance does that. When some people move and dance well, it just takes you to another plane. And, I, and I'm always hopeful that liturgy will always do that. Yeah, good you liturgy know, is if, good theater in a way. liturgy is done well, it is good theater. Yeah, that's, that's right. true. That's true. Um, and uh, good theater is liturgy. Like, uh, people have to, that may take some stretch for some people's minds. But to really know, and I, I just say from where I came from, I'm as a theatrical person and also as a priest and a liturgist, uh, um, the two of them are meant to take us through the door to eternity, yeah. you know, okay. out, of, out of time and place. Okay, let me ask you the last one then. What, yeah. what is the musical that most reminds you of your vocation? <laughs> what musical reminds me most of my vocation? Bring, bringing both worlds together. Holy gee, isn't or, that something? Or musical that most inspires your vocation, uh, or musical role, or musical song. Isn't that something? Oh, you're well, going to have to think about this. You're, that one, that one's not, not an easy one. But, you know, uh, what led me to my um, uh, entering, doing the philosophy and the MDiv and all that was, I was doing five years of Phantom of the Opera. Yeah. And uh, that was a tremendously inspiring musical because it was a man who felt he was disfigured. And it was love that reminded him that disfigurement can not only be on your outside, but it can be on the inside. Yeah. But it also said that, that whether it was on the outside or on the inside... Uh, there is no disfigurement when we love, oh. and and that to me is the priesthood. Well, there you go. That's that's yeah. a good answer. Yeah, that's a pretty that's, good answer. That's uh, uh, for all of us, including myself, who see disfig- disfigurements within ourselves when we don't feel we don't fit in. Uh, the message from God is that uh, we are all loved, and uh, there is no disfigurement when you get right down to it. Well, that's a great place to end, and I'm sorry that we're out of time, but. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, uh, our man in black <laughs> slash blue, blue. <laughs> of, of the week, Father <laughs> and Paul. And even beige sometimes. And beige you know, sometimes. Really, yeah. yeah, that's that's good. Father Paul Massel, he's a pastor of St. Joseph's Parish in the Diocese of Peterborough. Um, I'm Pedro Guevara Man, and I am wearing black. Good for you. <laughs> we got to keep up the black going, too, that's for sure. Some of us have to wear black. It's very important that we do. Thank you, Paul. Nice talking to you. Pedro, it's always a pleasure. Take care. If you like this segment, please send us an email. We're looking for men in black or blue to have on the program. Write to us and tell us about your favorite priest and how we can ta- contact him. And we will because this is fun. <laughs> and so our email address is radio at saltandlighttv.org. And now to cap it off on a high note, here is Father Paul again singing with Danny Bronson uh, with a song from the Sondheim musical, Merrily We Roll Along. The song is called Old Friends. 
Hey, old friend, are you okay? Old friend, what do you say? Old friend, are we or are we unique? Time goes by, everything else keeps changing. You and I, we get continued next week. Most friends fade or they don't make the grade. New ones are quickly made and in a pinch sure they'll do. But us old friends, what's to discuss? Old friends, here's to us. Who's like us? Damn few. How do we stay? Old friends, no one can say. Old friends, how an old friendship survives. One day, chums having a laugh a minute. One day comes and they are part of your lives. New friends pour through the revolving door. Maybe there's one that's more if you find one that'll do. But two old friends, especially you, old friends, here's to us who's like us. Two old friends, fewer won't do. Old friends, gotta have two. Old friends, helping you balance along. One upbraids you for your faults and fancies. One persuades you that the other one's wrong. Most friends fade or they don't make the grade. New ones are quickly made it perfect as long as they're new. What's to discuss, old friends? Here's to us, who's like us, damn few. That was Father Paul Massel, our man in black today, singing Old Friends. I'm Pedro Guevara Man. You're listening to Salt and Light Radio. Our email address is radio at saltandlighttv.org, and our blog can be read at saltandlighttv.org slash blog and now here with us again is mary rose we continue with our events second half of the country yes that's right so we're starting with saskatoon so on saturday november 21st you can rally all day with friends and family hear some great speakers meet friends and learn how thy word is a lamp unto my feet this prince albert diocesan youth rally is open for all ages so contact your local youth minister for more information. Mm-hmm. Now, Manitoba, the Interfaith Healthcare Association of Manitoba Annual Conference, that's quite a mouthful, yeah. takes place November 18th to the 20th at Canadins Polo Park in Winnipeg. Now, the theme is social ministry and their conference, Building Hope, Meeting the Needs in Our Community, offers a wide range of topics and interesting speakers. Actually, one of the speakers is Frank O'Day, and he caught my eye because he's a one-time homeless panhandler if you can imagine that, who mm-hmm. rose from the streets to co-found the Second Cup and other successful businesses and not-for-profit organizations. Yeah, that's a phenomenal story. So check out the Winnipeg Archdiocesan website for details. And Toronto, do you find yourself wondering how to find some time for peace and contemplation in a frenzied world? <laughs> Why not go to a pub 
That's good. More specifically, the Duke of York Pub in Toronto for Theology on Tap. On November 16th, you won't only have to drink and be merry, you can take part in a thought-provoking discussion on Into the Silence in a Busy World with guest Father Michael Machacek, I believe that's how you say mm -hmm. his name. I think so. Executive Director of the Newman Centre at the University of Toronto. Munchies are provided. Cash bar, come and bring a friend. For more information, you can visit www.faithconnections.ca. Yes, Theology of the Top, always a popular one here in the city. And Pedro, we have some good friends with the University of Toronto Gospel Choir. Yes. Friends who can sing and put together a great concert. Yes. So mark your calendar and bring your wife for the University of Toronto Gospel Choir's annual Christmas concert on Saturday, December 5th, 7.30 p.m. at Calvary Church in Toronto. Check out their website www.utgc.org for more info. That's University of Toronto Gospel Choir. And very important to note that that is a free concert. Yes. I think the, the information we got had that line uh, several times. Did I mention that this is a free concert? That's right. So if you're 50. looking for, for a great concert to begin uh, celebrating the Advent and Christmas season, here's a free concert. And they've been they going on for 15 years, so yes. very reliable and very, very yes. great sounding. Yes, group. they're amazing. Now Halifax, the Archdiocese of Halifax presents you with an excellent opportunity for liturgical formation for parishioners on Saturday, November 28th from 9 a.m. to noon at St. Peter's Parish in Dartmouth. The day with members of the National Council on Liturgy gives you five workshops to choose from, from celebrating the Sunday Liturgy of the Word with Children to the new translation of the Roman Missal. Very important. So parishes will be charged a flat fee of $25 for all participants and a charge for books. So again, check the Halifax Archdiocesan website for more info. Very good, thank you, Mary Rose. So that's events for these coming weeks. Um, remember, let us know about your events. All you have to do is send us an email, radio at saltandlighttv.org, and we will be happy to advertise your event. You're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel, Sirius 159 and XM 117. I'm Pedro Guevara Man. And I'm Marios Bacani. So tomorrow, Sunday, November 15th, we return with an all-new witness. That's right. Father Thomas Ruzica interviews Anne Leahy, the Canadian ambassador to the Holy See. So that's on Witness tomorrow, Sunday, November 15th at 8 p.m. Eastern, 9 Pacific. And stay tuned after Witness for an all-new Lectio Divina with Toronto's Archbishop Thomas Collins. Now this year, Archbishop Collins looks at the parables of Jesus. Tomorrow, he'll be looking at the parable of the mustard seed. So that's Lexio Divina tomorrow, Sunday, November 15th at 8.30 Eastern, 9.30 p.m. Pacific. And last week, we mentioned to you about a wonderful documentary on the life and death of Father Martin Royakers, a Canadian Jesuit working as a parish priest in Jamaica who was murdered. Yes, well, if you missed it, it's on again this coming Tuesday, November 17th at 8.30 p.m. Eastern, 9.30 Pacific. And one more, tune in for a new Catholic Focus episode this coming Wednesday, November 18th. Yeah, <laughs> Mary Rose, <laughs> this one is produced and hosted by you, Mary Rose. Um, you went to Edmonton to find out more about how the First Nations Catholics integrate their Aboriginal roots and into their Catholic faith. Yes, I had a fantastic time. I participated in the First Nations Liturgy at Sacred Heart Church of the First Peoples. I went into a First Nations school, Ben Caffrobe St. Clair. Um, I met with a Cree artist, and I'll be interviewing as well um, First Nations people from Toronto. That's so very, that's very, very interesting. So that's uh, First Nat Nations Spirituality. It's on Catholic Focus with Mary Rose Bacani this coming Wednesday, November 18th at 7 p.m. Eastern, 8 Pacific. Make sure you tune in because I guarantee it'll be good. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> so remember, for any information about Salt and Light TV programming or to 
to watch our programs, if you don't get Salt and Light Television in your area, visit our website, saltandlighttv.org. And to listen to any Salt and Light radio program, just go to saltandlighttv.org slash radio, where we, where we are revamping the webpage to make it easier for you. So check it out and tell us what you think. Yes, and look up our fan page on Facebook, Salt and Light Radio and become a fan. And you can re also read our blog at saltandlighttv.org slash blog. You can set it up so you can get your our, you can get our RSS feed so you don't have to be going to the website every time for new updates. And write to us, please. You can send an email to radio at saltandlighttv.org or you can click on the contact link off our website. Tell us what you think of our show, the topics. Tell us if you like Pedro. <laughs> tell us what you like to hear in the show. Send us suggestions for the Man in Black segment. Or tell us what you think about the world ending in 2012. Yeah, so again, <laughs> if you don't remember, the email is radio at saltandlighttv.org. Mary Rose, that brings us to the end of the program. Um, but I just want to ask you, what is your favorite Christmas song? I like to say Jingle Bell Rock, but I think I'm going to go with something <laughs> safe. Silent Night, Holy Night. Something religious, maybe? <laughs> Jingle Bell Rock is good. Um, I'm asking because we're starting to think about our Christmas special. And for that, we're looking for people's favorite Christmas songs. So we can do a top 15 Christmas songs based on what you, our listeners, have to say. So write to us and tell us which is your favorite Christmas song and if you have any stories that go with that song. Yeah, so tell us why, why the song is so special and uh, we'll pick the best stories and we will read them on air. That'll be our Christmas special. <laughs> so again, the email is in case people <laughs> have forgotten. We don't repeat it yeah, enough. Yeah, not enough, eh? Radio, Radio at saltandlighttv.org. Yeah. Well, so that's all for tonight. Thanks for listening. Stay in touch. I'm Nero Spacani. And I'm Pedro. And this has been Salt and Light Radio.